But today is January 6th. Today is Epiphany. How many knew that already? And I think some of us, many did, because uh, the ladies had an event on Saturday, and uh, they shared, and I heard it was gold. I heard it was just an awesome experience, and so my, my hat goes off to our leader, our women's ministry leader, and Alita, and everybody that was involved in that, and it was just a great experience from what I understand. Uh, so today, but today, January 6th, literally is Epiphany, and we're going to have some fun. I want to share some trivia with you, but... I want to begin with this quote, and I came across this, and so I want to begin with this quote in regards to Epiphany. Whereas life separates meaning from emotion, think about that. I mean, think about it for just a moment. What's that saying? Whereas life separates meaning from emotion, art unites them. And so Epiphany is kind of an artistic way. Of course, we understand it's on the Christian calendar. It's more liturgical in a sense. And so it's kind of an artistic way of reminding us of the emotional reality that Jesus is divine. Did you catch that? That Jesus is divine. And we recognize his divinity. In fact, that's what Epiphany is about. And, and uh, it, it, on the Christian calendar, it's called the Christian Feast Day. In, in some movements, they call it the Three Kings Day. How many knew that? In other movements, they call it the Three Kings Day, not necessarily Epiphany. And so, by definition, epiphany is the manifestation or the striking or sudden awareness of Jesus' divinity because of fulfilled prophecy and the arrival of the Magi or the three kings, you know, however you want to say that. It's interesting. Again, just trivia. We're just having some fun. Now, liturgical, we are in what we call epiphany tide. Epiphany tide starts today, goes all the way to Tuesday, the day right before Lent, and what's interesting about that is we've been in Christmas tide, and Christmas tide lasts until January 9th. So there's kind of a three day lap over there with Epiphany tide and Christmas tide. Now, in some movements, they celebrate Epiphany or the Three Kings Day, actually, in those movements uh, by, by baking. This is just, again, fun trivia, but by baking an oval shaped cinnamon cake. Anybody heard that before? They bake an oval shaped cinnamon cake. And then they, 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 uh, they cover the cake in three different colors of frosting. Anybody know what the three colors of frosting represent? Yeah, the gifts from the Magi. And so you have three different colors of frosting over the cake, you know, uh, reminding us of that. And then here's the most interesting part to me is they bake inside of that oval-shaped cinnamon cake a little tiny Jesus figurine. And, and then, of course, as they cut the cake up, cut cake up and they pass it around, you know, somebody discovers Jesus. So what they do that for, is, it, represents, it represents the search for the newborn king. <laughs> kind of interesting trivia. Again, just having fun and thinking about, you know, um, how Epiphany is, is remembered to recognize. But what I, I want to speak about today, as far as the message goes, is the truth behind the tradition. And that it is about solving a mystery. Epiphany. It's about solving uh, a mystery. We all love mysteries, whether it's an Agatha Christie novel or, you know, maybe an Albert Hitchcock movie plot, right? I mean, we just have, have all kinds of mysteries sometimes that we enjoy the story, the narrative of, and, and like even the mystery of where is my cell phone. Anybody ever play that one, that mystery? It's kind of like when I was on vacation with my family. My, my wife and I, we went to the, the Tennessee mountains, the Smoky Mountains, and we rented a cabin for Christmas, just after Christmas. 
and our two boys came up from Florida, and our daughter, she's in Nashville, we picked her up, and so we had all three of our kids, plus our grandbaby, that's, that's really what it's all about, our little grandbaby is with us, she's seven months and 20 pounds, so her legs are like big as mine, I mean, anyways, we had this awesome time with her family, but we picked up the boys at the airport, and uh, our, our, our daughter-in-law and our grandbaby, and uh, we'd rented a minivan, and uh, I'd taken my phone. The minivan did not have a GPS, so I'd taken my phone, pulled up maps, and, uh, you know, had it there on the dash on the way to the cabin following the maps, right? And uh, it's about an hour drive. And while we were driving, after about 30 minutes into the drive, this is embarrassing to tell you, but while we're driving, I decide I need to call somebody back here at church, somebody here in California. So I start looking for my phone. I'm looking for my phone. I'm getting frustrated. Hey, guys, where's my phone? Well, pretty soon my family starts snickering and laughing. And, oh, they're not giving me any mercy at all. They're just laughing at me. You're old. And then finally my, my son in the very back, he says, Dad, your phone is on the dash. You're using it as a GPS. Oh, man, I felt so embarrassed. But anyways, mystery solved, right? I don't know if you've ever done anything like that. Believe me, teens, one day you're going to do that. You're going to get old enough that you'll forget where you put something. But anyhow, um, they solved the mystery for me. Um, today, Epiphany, it's, it's, a, a simple, it's a simple revelation. The mystery is a simple revelation in practical terms. Epiphany is, as one person put it, a whodunit ministry. Mystery. A whodunit, a spiritual, you know, whodunit. And one writer writes about the mystery as divine secret, that it's a divine secret. And another uses the idea of, of truth revealing. That's what the epiphany is about. It's truth revealing. Um, in fact, in the lectionary, and I don't refer to the lectionary many times during the year, um, but in the lectionary, there are three passages that, that it gives us to look at this, this day. And they are Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, verses uh, 1 through 6, and then there's another passage in Ephesians chapter 3, and then another passage in Matthew chapter 2. So if you have time, you can put your finger there and just kind of follow along, and we're just kind of kind of roll our sleeves up and try to get some stuff from these passages that maybe the Lord is you know speaking to us about. Um, again, following the idea of, of the mystery. And in fact, here in Isaiah chapter 60, as we read that, and we are going to read it, um, the, the mystery is, is about the glory. I mean, who is, who is the glory? Where does the glory come from? And that mystery, solving that. And then in Isaiah chapter 3, a very short passage, it is the grace. I mean, how is grace available? Where does grace come from? And there's this kind of mystery that's addressed in that. And then we go to Matthew chapter 2. Follow me now. Matthew chapter 2. And then it just says what it is. It's where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And so that's the mystery there. You know, where is this one? And, and of course, we, we've read the end of the story. We know. But yet there's, again, this, this simple revelation that maybe God wants to give us this morning as we think upon these things. So let's go back and we're going to read Isaiah chapter 60, beginning at verse 1 down through verse 6. And what I'd like to do is I read it out loud for you. I'd like to invite you to look at it in regards to who is it. You know, who is it? Using that, that question, framing it in that question. As we were reading this passage, you're thinking about, well, who is it? Who is this one? How is this possible? You know, again, with a sense of mystery as we read this passage together. Excuse me. Okay, let's look at it. Isaiah chapter 60, beginning at verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. 
and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you, resonating with what we had seen at Christmas time. Who is this King of glory? Who is this King of glory? Who is this Messiah? Who is the one that brings hope to us and salvation, especially in this season? And then, and then we, we look at the, the passage itself in Isaiah chapter 60 and, and the simple revelation that this is really about Israel's return to Jerusalem and, of course, Jerusalem's realization that God is a God of promise. Did you know that? That God is a God of promise and not only a God of promise, but a God that fulfills his promises. And this is part of that fulfilled promise when we talk about the epiphany and that Jesus now, here is the revelation that Jesus is divine. We see that. And then we go to Ephesians chapter 3, follow me, chapter 3, looking at verse 2, um, identifying again the mystery about grace. And we read there in, in verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2, Ephesians, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. Now notice, we have the simple revelation as it relates to the mystery of the gospel. And that, that really follows the line that we see in, in the life of Christ. I mean, for a time, I mean, in Christ, remember, uh, the revelation came out slowly. Remember when he changes water into wine in the, in the you know, Canaan of Galilee, what happens? He says what? He says it's not time. Don't tell anybody this revelation. Do not share this with anybody. And, and so it seems like he, he just kind of slowly discloses who he is and he just holds it back. So there's some mystery that surrounds the ministry of Christ. And then in the apostle, the apostle Paul speaks about the mystery of the gospel. And we kind of scratch our heads and you say the mystery of the gospel. And so we have, again, simply answering the whodunit question, the spiritual whodunit. I mean, how is, is grace possible? How, how do we become this recipient of this awesome grace that gives us hope and gives us salvation? And we know, of course, the answer already because we know the end of the story. It's Christ. Now, I, I love the fact that this passage is a reminder of the economy of God's grace. I love that phrase. It's not mine. I got it from somebody else. But the phrase is the economy of God's grace. The passage reminds us, even Epiphany reminds us of the economy of God's grace or the dispensation of grace, of course, versus the law, the old dispensation. So we have the economy uh, that is afforded to us because of Jesus Christ, his birth and resurrection Again, answering the, the mystery of the whodunit in regards to this one that comes as the king of glory. Amen. So bear with me. Here we go. Matthew chapter 2, then looking at verses 1, really the text goes all the way, um, all the way to verse 12. And uh, yet for this purpose, we're going to just look at verses 1 and 2, which really are the grand finale verses of the passage Passages given to us for Epiphany. After Jesus is born, verse 1, again, Matthew 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, I, I read this and I just, I have to say I love, you know, the style of the four Gospels. In fact, every Gospel 
you know, kind of has a different flavor. It's like each person writing the Gospels were looking through a different window, and it was their perspective, and each one is separate. Like, for example, Luke is more compassionate in his narrative and in the life of, of Christ and his ministry and the way that he reached out to others. And, of course, John spoke of the divinity of Christ, and there was a very high Christology with John. But in the book of Matthew, it, it seems that the people were people that were probably more religious and had more understanding in regards to the Old Testament prophecies. Because in this narrative, we see that there are four different prophecies that are fulfilled, as, as Matthew writes, and we'll come back in another message, maybe in another sermon, and talk about that. But, but it seems like it's the more religious that Matthew is writing to here. And then we find this connection with the Old Testament in Malachi it refers to the son of righteousness rising upon Israel in the last days. And then in Isaiah 53, where, you know, the iniquity is upon the shoulders of Jesus as, as he is the redeemer that's on the cross. It speaks about the coming Messiah. Amen. And so all this promise is just kind of building up. It's just building up. And then it's interesting the, the development that takes place in chapter 60 of verse Isaiah, because there's less talk of the government of God and more talk about the grace of God. And, and, and we love that. I mean, we love to embrace the grace of God. We love putting our arms around the grace of God and, and holding that close because it's so it's so important. In fact, the discovery or the simple revelation, if there was a theme that's running throughout the message, it is simple revelation. And the simple revelation is that grace makes room for the love or for love in the law. That's how I want to say it, that grace makes room for love in the law. It's not, it's not that grace abolishes the law, but it's the ultimate fulfillment. Christ comes to fulfill the law. And what's so great about grace is grace makes the space for love in, in the law. And, and we see that, of course, in this, this epiphany, in this, that Jesus is divine. It is a new dispensation. And here's the affirmation, or here's the evidence the Magi show up. Now, the fact is, I, I'm more rational than non-rational in regards to the supernatural. We talk about prophecy. And uh, Protestants are, tend to be more that way, more rational uh, in, in regards to the supernatural. Well, the prophetic nature of the word here, and more explicitly, Isaiah's word, it's Isaiah's passage, it, it has an effect. I mean, it does. Prophecy, it, it's impactful. In fact, if prophecy is the mold that shapes the future, how does God's word shape us? H- how does God's word shape us? It's not just a day on the calendar. Teenagers, I'm not just saying, okay, here's the day on the calendar, and it's kind of ritual, but man, this is the word, and how does God's word shape us? And are we allowing that word to shape us? And if there's a moment in the message we pause and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice, this is that moment that we pause and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice, because we understand that the word, it's so much, I mean, it's historical, we know, it's the history of God's people, a history of the people, and it's the history that gives evidence to the fact that Jesus was a real figure in history, and really was crucified, and was resurrected from the dead, and helps us have faith in that that figure in history, and, and so it is a history, it is a theology, the word is a theology that gives us the guiding light and the direction in life, and we embrace that, it is the wisdom 
wisdom of God. It's the deeper thoughts of God. It's, it, it's the prophetic reality that God is involved in his creation. He's involved in those that he created, and that's you and I. And so when we focus on the word, here's what I want to say. We focus on the word. The word should impact our lives. The word should shape our lives, and it does. When we focus on the word, the word of God, if you're filling in the notes, do that right here. The word of God shapes our character. The word of God shapes our character, and maybe maybe that's the rub because that means accountability. That means that when we read the word and we spend time in the word and we're allowing it to shape our lives, shape our character, then we're being accountable. We're going to be held accountable. And there's a standard that God gives us because the word of God gives us that standard. Amen? Isn't that right? And so we recognize that the word of God shapes our character. And then the second thing, if you're filling in the blank there, the word of God shapes our concern for others. Now, listen, if Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and Jesus has shown us the way and is the right way and his truth, you know, is the right truth and his life is the right life, it's everlasting, it's eternal life, then Jesus way is the right way. And Jesus, in his way, shows us how to be concerned for others. Jesus shows us how to love others. Jesus, in fact, he he brings justice to others. And so much so that Jesus dies on the cross for others. He lays his life down for others. And so we embrace this. I mean, the word of God is going to shape our life. It's going to shape it in regards to concern that we have for others. And again, if we're listening to the voice of God... I'm wondering what his voice is saying to us this morning. As we're saying we want to impact, we want to make a difference in others' lives. I, I celebrate, I, Barry's sitting back here, our missions president, in our, our trip down to Mexico last week, right? That was last week. And the impact that that had, I've heard some great things already. And that we're going, because when we are into the word, it shapes our concern for others. And, and so we're going you know, to Mexico because we, we are concerned about others. I mean, Mission Church, I applaud you. We're concerned about others. And, and when we read the word, the word is going to, to shape that. And, and so um, I, I say this, I'm talking, it's the epiphany we're, we're focusing on. But you see, it's the very, the truth of the epiphany. The dynamic that this is the divine Christ, God in the flesh. That gives credence and evidence to everything else that, that we embrace as Christians in the word of God. So we're not worshiping the word, but the word is God's word. Amen. And so the word shapes our concern for others. And here's the last one. The word of God shapes our heart. And that's how we feel about ourselves. I mean, if you're ever lacking self-esteem, listen, teenagers, you're ever lacking self-esteem, read the word. Get into the word because God loves you. He believes in you, has a plan for you. And the word of God shapes our heart, how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about God. And God uh, will use his word to help shape our hearts. And so God's word, it, it, it shapes us. So essentially, I think what this is saying is we, we start becoming the church. We start becoming the church as it's pulled together. And I love the dual image of, of Epiphany and Pentecost. And maybe you've never heard those two events paired together. But I do. Because you see, it's the beginning. It's the confirmation. It's the Epiphany and the Pentecost. And on Pentecost, it was the day that something that was fulfilled of prophecy. And the Holy Spirit began forming and bringing together the body of Christ and the body of believers in Christ. Sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. That's theology. 
until the day of redemption. So the simple revelation, you see that's the theme through the message this morning. The simple revelation is that the mystery has been solved. (laughs) We love a mystery, right? The mystery's been solved. There is no mystery that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and we are the church, church. We are the church as we become children of God. And I don't know where you're at in life. And I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what your heartache is. But I know this, that we gather here because we believe in the word of God. And we are called to be his church. In fact, the scripture says that those that forsaken themselves and they're willing to turn from their sins and come to him and invite him, Jesus Christ, into their life, they become children of God. Amen. You you agree with that this morning? Say that that's right. That's right. So those that turn from themselves and repent of sin and seek Jesus Christ, they become a child of God. I'm wondering this morning if there's anybody that's in that place in your life that you're saying, Jesus, I I, want to seek you. Jesus, I, I, I need you to become a part of my life and I need you to shape my heart. I need you to shape my character as we're looking at the word of God here. And I need you to make an impact in my heart this morning. I wonder if there's anybody that's in that place this morning. Because you see, it's, it's not a mystery. I look at the word, man, it's not a mystery. Jesus Christ is our Messiah and he changes our life. I'll, I'll never forget when I realized for the first time that it doesn't have to be a mystery. I, I, I grew up in the church and my parents, you know, they had us go. I was at home. I had to go to church. And I remember, you know, going to Sunday school and going through all the, the motions, the routine of it. And, and it's not that I was against church or that I didn't believe in God. But I just had not had that aha moment where I knew that for certain this was real. That this was true, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And in that moment, in that aha moment, I realized that this, this was real, that Jesus did come and he did die for me. And he loves me and he wants to be a part of my life. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know this, that Jesus, he wants to redeem you. He wants to resuscitate your life. And maybe you feel like there's just, there's just been no life in you lately or there's no zest in your life. Jesus wants to bring that back to you. He wants to resuscitate your life. He wants to give you direction and hope this morning. And I want to invite you to turn to Jesus and and say, Lord, I need you in my life. In fact, let's just take a moment and bow our heads and just close our eyes. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes, and you're just kind of resonating with this right now, you're saying, Jesus, I know, I believe, Lord, that you were divinely appointed. God, that you became flesh. And that, Lord, in this moment, the Magi, maybe those then, Father, were realizing there was something special happening. That maybe there's something special happening this morning. Something special happening in in that young person's heart. Maybe it's in your own mind that you've been maybe doubting your faith or doubting your walk with the Lord. But this morning... as we are just getting a fresh start, it's a new year, that we're going to renew our commitment to you, Christ. We're going to come to you and say, Lord, we believe in faith, Father. We're just going to embrace your presence, your redeeming truth. And Father in heaven, that there does not have to be a mystery to peace and purpose in life. 
There does not have to be a mystery to really finding hope. And the answer for hope is Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for that one person today. I pray that you would just speak to their heart. And Lord, that they would discover that hope for themselves this morning. And they say, Jesus, I do need you in my life. I'm struggling with something. And I need your help. And I choose you. I receive you right now, Father, in heaven. I need your divine appointment in my life. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And this is between you and the Lord, you and Jesus. And you're saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. Jesus, I need your redeeming truth for me in my heart. And so, Jesus, I invite you to come into my life right now. Come into my heart this morning. Be my Savior. Give me this purpose. Give me this, this direction in life that, Lord, that only you can bring. And I believe that the Lord will be glorified as you pray that way. Pray that way this morning. Say, Jesus, I love you today. Jesus, I need your redeeming hope in my life. Jesus, I invite you to live in me. And I set myself aside. I put all my selfish notions aside. And I ask Jesus for you to replace those selfish notions. I ask Jesus you to live in my heart, to live in my very being that you will be glorified God as I serve you Jesus I choose you choose him right now in your prayer heads are bowed you're just worshiping you're worshiping right now by saying Jesus I love you Jesus I choose you I need you in my heart Lord Jesus I need a fresh start this new year I need to make sure things are right so Jesus I choose you right now Our heads are bowed you're praying that way. Just take a moment and make eye contact. I want to carry you privately in my prayer life and just affirm you privately just between me and the Lord. Just make eye contact. You're praying that way. Jesus, I choose you. Thank you, Lord. This eye contact. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else you're saying, Jesus, I need you. I choose you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Jesus, I choose you. God bless you. Jesus, I choose you. Lord, I, I know you're divine. Jesus, I know that. You're appointed by God. Thank you, Father. Jesus, I choose you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for hearing these prayers. Give this sweet rest right now. Jesus, I choose you. Let's stand and let's worship. And let's rejoice. And all things have passed away. His love has come. He's renewed you. He's given you hope. He's given you salvation. The mystery's no more. Hallelujah. It's been revealed. Jesus is the Messiah.